This is the Local Hearted Podcast, episode number 24, with painter Polly Gott. Welcome to the Local Hearted Podcast. I'm Meredith Adler, and I am your host. Join me as we get to know the people who create the wide variety of art in Asheville and in the mountain counties of Western North Carolina. We'll also talk with some of the people who create opportunities for our local artists and help them shine. Hi, this is Meredith, and thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Local Hearted Podcast. My guest today is watercolor artist Polly Gott. She is well known in Madison County for her panoramic paintings of mountains and big skies. And my trip to Polly's farm showed me very clearly where her inspiration for her paintings comes from. The views from her studio at the top of her land are magnificent. And Polly has been living in these mountains for a very long time, as you will hear her explain in the interview. What did surprise me was learning how an entirely different place equally inspires Polly. I also loved hearing Polly talk about the rugged rural life she and her family led, living without the comforts of electricity and running water for many years. And I enjoyed hearing Polly explain how her life as a painter fit into this homesteading lifestyle. There are points in this interview that come across as somewhat choppy, and times where it seems like I am being abrupt or not responding to the topic at hand, and I would like to explain. During our conversation, as she reflected on her life, Polly shared some memories that were deeply personal and that I felt should be cut from the recording released to the public. So as I edited, chop chop, there wasn't always a graceful way to transition back to the conversation seamlessly. I hope that makes sense. On a personal note, my life has been forever changed as a result of meeting Polly Gott. I don't mean my life as an artist, but other aspects of my life. Significant coincidences have flowed with tremendous positive effect for my family. So many thanks to Polly Gott and to Ellen Pearson for introducing us. And now, it is my honor and my pleasure to bring to you Polly Gott. Polly, I want to thank you so much for joining me on the Local Hearted Podcast today, and I feel really honored that you have welcomed me to your home and your studio and to talk about your art. I'm really happy and excited. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Oh, thank you. And wow, where to start? Because I've been here with Polly for an hour or so. She's been showing me around. And um, I know Polly as a watercolor artist. And uh, I think a lot of uh, Madison County knows you as a watercolor artist. But your artwork actually started before you were painting watercolors, didn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Right. I, I did a lot of sculpture before 
uh, before watercolor, which is quite a different medium than watercolor. Um, but it's a lot of fun, and uh, it's a whole new way of expressing yourself, uh, which is nice. And uh, I don't know why I switched over, I guess, because it's a little easier to transport paper than it is uh, clay and mm-hmm. plaster. <laughs> so. That makes sense. And you said that you majored in sculpture in That's school? Right. Yes, at Cornell. Um, I like the, the teachers very much. That makes a big difference if you're uh, tuned into what they they like of yours. And uh, so I did quite a bit of physical <laughs> labor, making big busts and portraits and, um, and some collages, uh, and 3D things, whatever they're called. I've forgotten what those are called. Um, as well as painting, because you need to make sketches first before you start, usually. And sketching is always a vital part of being an artist. It is uh, just checking things out with, with uh, 2D. So even when you were doing the sculpture, drawing was part of your planning process, mm-hmm. you're saying? Right. Okay. So the the painting part really came because it's a lot easier to carry carry around paper and pencil and paints than it is. Um, it's pretty hard to I, I can't imagine sculpting the mountains. Mm. Um, I don't know how you do that except maybe with a relief drawing, a, a relief work. So so I pretty much turned to painting and left sculpture for my past, past uh, days. But I did a lot of portraits of people, and that was always fun, because you can, you can make people look better or worse <laughs> very easily. Um, and people like to have portraits of themselves. And so I have quite a few uh, in my collection that that I wanted to keep because I liked them myself. So I have, <laughs> I don't know where I keep them because they're kind of big and very fragile, really. It's quite a family legacy to have those. You showed me some. Oh, right, yeah. Right. So... I would love to put your work in context, maybe go into a little bit of your history and when you came and how you came here, what brought you here. And because you mentioned the mountains, you paint a lot of mountains. And uh, I just would love for the listeners to understand where the mountains fit into the scheme of your life. Right. Well, we were, I went to Cornell, and, and Cornell is on Lake uh, Cayuga, 
And it's beautiful just right there, the, the way the water leaves the um, land and the, the rock formations are, are quite different than they are here in the Smokies. But I also spend a lot of time in the Adirondacks where there are lots of lakes. So you have a whole lot of very different kinds of painting of water with reflections and uh, boats and and just it's it's uh, I think now I have more more boat paintings or more water paintings than I have mountain paintings, but you combine them and you've got double the challenge of painting uh, there in the Adirondacks and. It's a, it's a different kind of a mountain scene than it is here, where it's very, lots of leaves and colors, and there it's a lot of rocks and um, very, very low-key color scheme. Um, but there are a lot, a lot of pine trees there, and there are not that many, as many here, that to make different greens. I've forgotten that the Adirondacks are totally different. I don't have any of those paintings here. Mm -hmm. And uh, they really are more fun because they're easier. <laughs> water, <clears throat> water is easy to paint and reflections in water and waves and boats and those things are a lot of fun to paint. I believe I saw some of your Adirondacks paintings on your Facebook page. Probably. So that's somewhere that yes. people can go, and we'll link to your Facebook page when I write the blog post about this interview. We'll, right. we'll be able to direct people there. So the Adirondacks are still part of your life. Oh, yes. We go there every... Late summer and fall, because that's the best time to be there. And uh, uh, the mosquitoes aren't too bad then either. <laughs> and you skip the whole black fly thing. <laughs> right. Oh, yes, yes. And we, and we have a beautiful, uh, huge house that Peter and Tim built about six years ago. It's absolutely incredible with a... A huge chimney made out of quarried rock and uh, big fireplace and huge cook stove and and a big dance hall and it's just a wonderful building and so not only do we have the mountains and the water but we have this this edifice that is absolutely worth worth the trip <laughs> and uh, uh, and of course, we have a lot of visitors because everyone wants to come and see it and enjoy the the benefits of being on a lake. Mm -hmm. And and then uh, carrying uh, the only problem is carrying equipment up and down to the lake because we're up on a big rock. <laughs> we have to walk quite a ways to get down to, down and. Uh, that that's becoming a little bit of a problem as I get older. Oh, are you talking about carrying your painting equipment? 
Yeah, yeah. I like to paint big. <laughs> so I get get down there and and have to set up in in the sand usually, and yeah. And then you then you have to go swimming, of course, and then you get your painting all wet. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's uh, really a whole other place to paint. Got the mountains, you've got the water you, that that you don't have here, and and, uh, and the uh, Smokies. We're right, right about fifty miles north of the Smokies mountains, and uh, it's it's really quite quite uh, uninhabited still, which is really nice. Whereas the Adirondacks have become much more populated recently. I didn't know that. I haven't been there in a long time. Mm, yeah. It, and people don't build nice houses. They build really cheap little kind of things that that you, you don't want to reproduce on paper. <laughs> mm, they don't inspire you to no, paint like no. the houses do here, which we see a lot of in your paintings. And uh, with your permission, we'll include some of your paintings on my website so people can see them. Oh, right. Well, the, the log building tradition is was very prevalent here in the in the uh, early part of the century, and um, so that's the kind of building we built. And Peter was very good at it, hewing logs, learning how first of all, and then hewing these beautiful, beautiful buildings. The logs in general are one to two feet wide. Is that the word wide? Um, as you look at the finished wall, they're, they're quite, quite, quite large um, um, piece of wood <laughs> compared to the boards that most people use to build with. So they're, and they're warm too. They've got, we made them at six to eight inches wide, the, the logs themselves, so that they're plenty warm enough. You don't need any in, insulation or anything on them. Mm -hmm. And let's, let's let people know who we're talking about you when you mentioned Peter and you mentioned Tim and I'm sure you'd like to mention Susie tell who they are right well uh, my husband actually didn't know anything about anything until we moved down here and he started looking at how these were built how these uh, cabins were built on the Bridge Park Parkway and um so he said, oh, I can do that. And so all we had to do was find a piece of land. And then he just cut, cut some trees and got started. And that was, that was all he needed because then people started coming to visit and telling him how to do it. <laughs> and that, that was wonderful because he didn't know everything. And he, he learned it by by trial and error, and then, um, then, then it came to music too. That we 
listened to uh, the neighbors playing while we worked. And so that became another thing that was, was important to us, was dancing and and uh, and just sitting around in the evening and playing b- banjo and fiddle and bass. They always had a bass. And you get to know people better so- somehow than just than just building because it's hard to build and talk at the same time. Mm-hmm. So we we got to know the neighbors and learned a lot from them. That's always a nice way to learn without reading it in a book. Just became part of the scene. And, and so many of the neighbors have so much to share but they don't have anyone to share it with because they all know the same things. So they would talk to us about certain things they did or had done or the way they did things. And the music, of course. We got into the music. And we have a lot of happy memories of concerts that we gave and the concerts we went to and um, and even Peter Peter has several plaques honoring him as as a folk singer and he didn't plan on all that but um, that happened so all the the building and he he actually really became a master at building, didn't he? He became a teacher of... Oh, he taught, oh my goodness, how many workshops he taught. Um, if I have one of his brochures. Do you have one of his brochures? We have one at home, yes. He sent one. Because he did, um, he was a very good teacher. Uh, apparently, he's very good at absolutely everything he does. <laughs> Um, that he was an excellent teacher. So they would hire him to teach others how to build with logs. And um, so he ended up giving workshops to various camps in the summer. And the camps were always um, multi-instrumental in in giving you, feeding you all kinds of interesting pastimes like music and ballad singing and um, so the, the, the log building was just an asset to those wonderful um, parties that, that we had and uh, Peter was a, always a star and uh, even even in dancing he He'd be kind of like a trickster, and he'd jump up in the air and click his heels and <laughs> do things that nobody else could do, uh, just because he was kind of like a monkey, like a, uh, a showman. And all the music that you guys did and the building, and like that all came from after moving here. That's true. We learned it all by trial and error or by somebody coming up and saying, well, we always done it like this. And 
And they'd show Peter a different way and say, oh, that, that looks like that'd be easier. And that was wonderful. And then, of course, we learned all our ballads from, from the neighbors that they had sung when they were little and raised with. Um, and when did you come to this area, and can you talk about where we are? Yeah, we're, let's see, 50 miles north of Asheville. And uh, we didn't know how close we were when we first moved here, and we're 50, let's see, 50 miles um, from the, ten well, 25 miles from the Tennessee border, uh, looking out into the flatlands of Tennessee. If you climb the mountain, you'll see it's flat as a pancake out there. Mm -hmm. there. Um, and when did you come here? We came in 1960. We got married in 1960. And after we climbed Mount Rainier and went to folk dance camps in California, we came east and um, decided that the Smokies were where we wanted to live because it had everything that we'd, we'd gleaned from elsewhere. We didn't want to be in the high mountains like this, like Marinier. And uh, California was pretty crowded. And uh, we came here and there wasn't anybody around. We just, we just picked a, a little shack and asked if we could rent it while we were learning how to grow our own food. We had to do that too, um, put in a big garden and feed ourselves without having to buy anything because we didn't have any money. It's really handy when you don't have money and people can't, <laughs> can't <laughs> charge you for anything, you know. Um, so you were pretty, uh, you must have been pretty busy figuring out the rural life and getting your homestead established and growing your food. Where at that point did art come in? Yeah, that's a good question because we really were busy. In fact, we got busier and busier because more people found out about us that we were doing something interesting. <laughs> <laughs> and we had to feed them and tell them all about how to do this and that. And, um, um, and of course, I had majored in art at, at college and kind of missed it. So and it was really beautiful where we were, so I ended up um, getting some paper and paints and and finding a painter whose work I liked and took a workshop with him. And that was the first, the first teaching that I had had. And after that, I just went to other workshops because it was such a good place to think about nothing but painting. And I kind of missed, missed uh, um, that way I missed all the mundane things you have to learn in order to put up your own food. <laughs> There's so much to know. And so you have to be so careful not to get germs in your, in your uh, cooking. And, uh, 
it also took me away from the children who were wonderful, but you know, they're busy bodies and doesn't give you much time to, to think about anything mm-hmm. else. So how old were they when you took up painting? Uh, they were, they were in, um, they had to start school too, and they did not like school. Um, mm-hmm. They were maybe six and eight, mm-hmm. something like that. And there was one year when they just came home from school and said, we're not going back. We're just not going back. So we phoned the principal and told him. And he said, well, you just have them study the books and see if they can get by on that. And and, uh, they did. So, But then then they missed the other children. They kind of liked being with other children. So the next year, so they went off to school. And I uh, can't really say that they enjoyed school, but it kept them busy. It kept It gave Peter and me more time mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> when they were gone. So okay. you, would you paint while they were at school? Oh, sometimes. Usually I had to catch up on chores, but uh-huh. um, I didn't really start painting on it until I got better and... Uh, you know, you have to paint a lot before you get very far in learning how to handle color and wet paper. I, I, you did mostly watercolor because it was um, the simplest materials and the least messy, and the pa- paper was readily available. So part of why you chose watercolor was for the practical, technical purposes. Right, right. What else? Yeah, it just, it blends together. It does things for you. It sometimes dictates exactly what's going to happen to your painting just because it's watercolor. Mm -hmm. It runs into the next color or or, uh, um, it's simpler altogether. You just squeeze some out and put some water with it and you're all set. Whereas with more difficult, um, like gouache or oil or some other mediums, it's not as easy to just produce a painting. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And you have mentioned that you prefer to paint outside and your paintings are done outside. Yes, to be outdoors is so important. For me, um, it's cozy to be inside on a rainy day and, and have a real nice mist or something that's in the mountains that you can paint from the window. Um, that's that's an easy way to get get some nice paintings because then you're under control. But it's sort of fun to be out there in the wind where all of a sudden your paper disappears <laughs> or, or, or something. But or you can just sit and enjoy the the weather. And I met a lot of really nice folks who who were good painters and also did other things that were interesting to us. So we ended up kind of being um, 
um, having multi-talents in different subjects. <laughs> mm-hmm. Ever since you told me that you did, well, I think you said you did all of your paintings from nature outside, I wondered, because I know I've seen the ones at the Mashburn Medical Center that take up like the whole height of a very tall, like, wall. How did you do those? I have no idea. Every time I go to the clinic and see that painting, I say, how in the world did I do that? Because I paint everything on the kitchen. I wouldn't dare paint that at home. I mean, Mm -hmm. but I kind of remember laying it down in the grass at one point. I mean, you can do some sketching while it's still up on the easel. Mm -hmm. But um, when you get to really bearing down on the paper with some color, you're going to have to support it somehow. I'm really not sure how the, how I did those. <laughs> <laughs> so it's going to remain a mystery to me uh, then. <laughs> yeah, I'm afraid so. And and just you meet some really some people that you really just keep up with the rest of your life that were painters or that you met while you were painting. Um, it, it just uh, gives you friends who have this, you have a lot in common with. Mm-hmm. And that's always important when you're just living a normal life, just to have friends. Of course, you, you do a lot of cooking <laughs> and cleaning up and so forth. Uh, just just to keeping those friends, you know, so they come back again. And um, I do remember doing a lot of cooking. I remember getting a real bunch of very famous people. Uh, they were all going to spend the night, I don't know where they slept, in the chicken house <laughs> and uh, in the living room next to the wood stove and so forth. And I was supposed to cook for them, right? And uh, all of a sudden, I realized it was supper time, and I hadn't even started the fire. <laughs> So that was a tough night. I remember we had uh, blind, one of those blind um, ballad singers visiting, very famous. (laughs) Poor guy was starving to death (laughs) when we got done. Yeah, you're just cooking up a whole mess of taters and a mess of beans. It's pretty much salad, pretty much the same diet probably some corn, um, pretty much the same thing every night. But it tastes different because you, you cook it differently every every time. But I must say I didn't really like that part too much. Um, you did, I did it because somebody had to do it. <laughs> so there was a lot of socializing mixed yeah. in with... You're doing your art and having your artist friends, and it sounds like you're talking about musicians as well as... Well, that's true. The women often would help uh, me. They'd drop everything they were doing to help get supper on the table. That was important. Um, While the men entertained, they'd play their banjos and, and sing and carry on. It was not a lifestyle that you could uh, 
map out very well. It was, you just each each day is different, and the weather makes a big difference. Um, of course, you, you, there's just so many things you can do when it's raining. So when you go outdoors to paint, are you generally home here, or do you make a point to go other places? I mean, I know you talked about the Adirondacks, but I mean, when you're in North Carolina. No, sometimes I just, um, like one of those paintings I sh showed you down there, um, we, I went to buy some um, of their produce because they, they raised all kinds of critters we didn't raise. It would be fun to buy some of their their things. And she wanted a painting of her farm. So I would stay and paint the farm and we trade. Mm. That's always fun. Mm -hmm. But it sure was fun to have help with the meals, I must say. You know, I could be gone for a couple of hours and say, tell, tell people I'll be back in time to cook supper and not get back in time, but um, try to. <laughs> Is that because you would be out painting? Yeah, Is that what you mean? I forget where I, I forget that I'm supposed to. Oh, I'm supposed to be back there, putting the taters on. <laughs> well, things like taters, you know, you raise. Uh, it's just so much fun the day you dig them because it's sort of like magic. All of a sudden, you dig up this big clot of dirt, and you get all these taters. <laughs> and, you know, and, and if you've never done that before, it's pretty amazing. It just feels so, you feel so rich. <laughs> the abundance. Something you said about the cooking kind of reminded me about painting outside, actually, when you were saying that you're pretty much cooking the same thing every night, but it comes out different every night oh, because does. of how you cook it. And that kind of reminds me of like sitting here in your studio looking around. There's so many mountain paintings, but also different. Mm -hmm. They are pretty different. Some similar ones. It's like, um, it's almost like every time you start a painting, it's, it's a challenge. To, to how it's going to turn out, you don't know. You just you just paint, and you're not thinking ahead about what you've done before or what it should look like. You just paint. It's living in the present. Mm. It's important. Um, it's it makes life more interesting. So you're watching your paper and responding to what you're seeing mm -hmm. come on the paper. Is that what you're saying? Right. You're watching it unfold as you do it. Right. And responding to that. Or often you're taking something out that yeah. you can with watercolor, if you're quick enough, pull out a, a color that you didn't want to put after all, or you want to put it in a cloud and you've already painted the sky blue, you can lift certain colors. Now, certain colors are um, permanent in the tubes. And that, that's another thing. You're, you're dependent on your paints and your brushes 
to help you with this painting business. Um, it, uh, it, it's important to have good quality brushes. You just don't want to take the tail of a cat and <laughs> paint with it because it wouldn't work very well. What kind of brushes do you like? Uh, um, and brushes, you, you, you're going to want wide ones for big landscape paintings, and you're going to want small ones for birds in the sky or... Here's this little one there. Mm -hmm. And then for the sky, you don't want anything sh sharp, generally. Sometimes you get a real sharp cloud, but generally skies are very um, liquid looking. It is in contrast to the, the uh, landscape, which is definitely hard. Hard looking. As for color, there's there's some things you need to kind of know about color. I'm not sure I know the, know them, but um, uh, it's not something you could get some books out about it, read about it, or how to make a certain color out of two other colors. Have you ever taught painting? I don't really like to teach, mm -hmm. and I know some people are very good at it, and I've had both kinds of teachers, so I do know what, what it's like to have a good teacher, but I don't think I dare profess that, you know. You could wa somebody could watch me paint, and that's, that's the only way they'd learn to do what mm -hmm. I do, but I don't think I could put words to it. I don't think so, anyway. That's a separate skill, really, I think, what you're saying, being able to describe it. And I think you're right, watching somebody demo it right. is a really good way to learn. Yeah, that would, be, that would be probably a very smart way to learn, to, to just... It'd be best if they wouldn't didn't see that you were watching, but um, you could uh, sneak up behind them and <laughs> see how they do it. And lifting color, sometimes you get a heavy, too heavy a color, and you need to take some water in your brush and wash it out. Maybe take a sponge and scrub it out, but it, it doesn't look quite the same if you don't do it right away. First thing. Mm -hmm. I'm curious how you got to, you mentioned earlier you, you painted more as you got better. Like, how did you do this? How did you get better? I just painted a lot. And I did take some workshops. Mm -hmm. And um, a couple of teachers just asked me to come and be a teacher with them. And that was fun, too. Um, but mostly I took the workshops because it's a real vacation. It was a real vacation <laughs> to uh, just do whatever you wanted to do. They usually have a critique at the end of the day, and everybody puts up their paintings and you discuss them. 
It's really fun. You learn a lot that way. Where did you go to do workshops? Well, they had, they had several in the Smokies. Um, they have them at colleges. They have just person, just people in general who are good painters who will list a workshop in, in an art book, uh, art magazine, and so that you write, just write a letter and send a check, and they've got your name, and you show up, and that, that works pretty well. Do you remember any that you particularly loved? Yeah, yeah, there's some. Tony Van Haslet was one of my favorite painters. And his girlfriend was Judy Wagner, and she was very different from Tony. But they were, they taught together, and that was kind of fun because you get two different approaches to, to painting a certain thing. I mean, you can be sloppy and quick and use your fingernail and carry on, or you can be very precise and, and you, you decide what you want to do. And that's always a good good plan. And I can think of a lot of the names. There's just a lot of art books that are out there, and some of them I don't like much because they're so tight. The paintings like like photograph. Mm -hmm. In fact, I've got some awful tight barns here too. There's one over there. Barn paintings. Yeah, that, that look exactly like the barn. <laughs> But in a way, it's a beautiful shape, so why not? Mm -hmm. you know? What do you most like to see in your own work? Well, it, it's hard to say. Sometimes you're really surprised. Wow, that really looks good. I had to do that. <laughs> or else you say, oh my gosh, you know, go back to kindergarten. <laughs> um, every, you never know. It's, every day is a, it, like if you go to a work, painting workshop, it's, it's uh, usually six days or five, and you end up the first day pretty tight. Usually, you're trying to trying to make things look really good, you know. But then by the end, you're just practically throwing the paint on the paper. <laughs> it's much more fun that way. You do usually improve right, during the, the course of a week. You get some ideas, and you're trying something new. They'll they'll ask you to this time try not to use any, um, let's say, green, light green paint. Use any light green paint. So you you try painting this light green painting, <laughs> and without light green paint, and it's a, a challenge. It's it can be done, but they don't do that often. They don't usually tell you what to do. And then they come around and give you some suggestions. And um, they'll say, look, that barn is too far. It's distracting because it's too far over to the left and bottom. And you need to push it over a little. So why don't you make the the um, painting go over a little further and then sock it in on the right-hand side and then it won't be so stuck in the corner. <laughs> and 
Are you remembering a workshop, or are you critiquing yeah, well, a painting you're looking I'm, I'm at looking right at now? I'm looking at one there where, oh, okay. where it's sitting a little too far to the left. So it would be better if it was... If it was um, so I, I'm sure I've changed and done another one like it. Because I love that barn, the one that's right <laughs> down here. You can see it. You can see it. Um, up until this year, this year it's it's been hidden by the the uh, woods in front. Your model is hidden, right? You know, I really don't know what. Um, say one of my favorite teachers would would tell you, because that would be a fun thing. I've never, I haven't been to very many critiques so that I don't know what kind of language they use to critique a painting. So I guess you just, uh, if you really want to learn to paint, there's an awful lot of painters out there that are willing to teach. They're not cheap, though. Usually you stay all week and they feed you and everything. That's kind of nice. And then they have arty things in the evenings, different kinds of uh, movies and stuff. But mostly they just let you socialize or work on your painting. So that's painting, sculpture is a whole lot of, it has a different feel to it. And really it's probably more my style than painting and that um, everything else I do in life is pretty physical. I have a lot of, um, of busts and a lot of animal paintings uh, sculptures, and then a whole lot of terracotta sculptures that are made with um, red clay, with uh, uh, usually with some kind of cement particles in it. And I've got a whole bunch of those made, and I love that kind of thing. I was good at that. But what do you do with them, you know? <laughs> unless you just do portraits. I have a wonderful portrait of Susie and Tim and Peter under my work table then, down there, that I've never finished. Mm -hmm. You're talking about a portrait that's a sculpture? Yeah, sculpture portrait. Yeah, that's, uh, I, I guess that's just why they gave me a scholarship, because I was good at it. So I got a scholarship to study at the um, Brooklyn Art Museum for a year and had a wonderful sculptor for a teacher. And he had me go to the Metropolitan, to the Museum of Modern Art and to the Reynolds Museum in Washington and um, clean up his sculptures. <laughs> It was a fun job. Oh. He, he did a terracotta, a terracotta or plaster, and they needed to be cleaned every now and then. And they wouldn't let the zoo people, zoo, the museum people, um, t 
touch the sculptures. I could touch them. So I'd, I'd go, and was, that was one of my funnest jobs, because you feel like, you know, you own the museum. You just walk through there and with your little rags and mm. <laughs> clean, clean up for sculptures. Did you use anything on the rags? How did you do it? You depend on whether you wood or, or uh, stone. Stone, you pretty much brushes, but but um, anything that could be polished would be polished. There's an awful lot of polished sculptures, and that was those were fun. They smelled good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Sculpture was a big part of your early art life. It sounds like and. Am I remembering correctly? You said that you switched to painting for like reasons of convenience. Yeah, is that correct? Right. Well, when you get out of college, you don't have access to um, all the equipment it takes to be a sculptor, or a creative sculptor, unless that's what you choose to do. I have a friend who. Uh, He's always sending me pictures of his sculptures. He's far out. <laughs> but uh, he's, a, he's well known. He lives in California. And, um, but I'm not too interested in abstract sculptures. It is fun. Abstract things are fun because they're so creative. So if you if you don't know anything about it, you just start doing something, and then you start doing something to the something, and then pretty soon you have something. <laughs> it's it's kind of fun. It's it's almost too easy, though, so, and um, you got you got to have your challenges. Life. So how challenging is it now to go out and paint? Or do you still do it a lot? Well, during the winter I don't. Mm -hmm. I, I work in here actually. Well, I do things like change the paintings in various places. I have them in the clinic and and um, the library and different places. You have certain places in town where you mm -hmm. show your work, is that uh, what you're saying? Yeah, they just just mostly just a friendship kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. But then if you if you want to show in a gallery they would probably give you a whole window to put paintings in, give you plenty of space. But I'm not willing to parade around town asking if they wanna Put some paintings in the window. Oh, except in Marshall. Mm -hmm. In Marshall, I uh, used to decorate the library window for years. And um, they just sold the library last week. I saw the sign yeah, came down. Yeah. So, um, do I have paintings anywhere? Well, I had some at Zuma's a couple of times. I noticed yesterday when we were there that... Um, um, they, ha they have an exhibit now 
of, what is that? Oh, Bailey Mountain. They've been talking about buying Bailey Mountain to make it into a, a people place rather than a, a, per, a private place. And uh, they had a whole bar of, a lot of photographs. But before that, they had kids from the schools, and I thought it was so good. Amazing. They had them all over the walls. I don't know who hung them, but I saw Joel at the dance yesterday, and uh, I said, what about um, animal portraits? Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, he was fun. He's a really nice guy. Um, and then after that, I've got people portraits. But after that, I've got four trunk, trunks of paintings upstairs, about this tall and about this wide, and here of paintings of all the travels we've been on. And that would probably be the most interesting. So we've been to Greece, Italy, Germany, uh, Ireland, England, Scotland, um, I can't really name all the different countries. So you painted so, everywhere you went? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What did Peter do while you were painting? Probably ate. <laughs> <laughs> the, kids, the kids were always good sports. About, I'm very fast. I mean, I really, I really paint quite fast. And if I'm really interested in making it into a good painting, uh, either I'll redo it or, or I'll just add to it. You mean when family is there? Yeah, later, later in the day or later in the, uh -huh. in the week. Right. You're kind of when family's there. You're kind of gathering reference material, gathering your information. R right. But I'm, on, I'm planning on finished paintings too. Right. Oh, I see. That's a good idea. Not cut your uh, ties off with. Getting a good painting while you're there, uh -huh. <laughs> um, and you learn to do that because you pay so much. And I had one painting uh, show when the kids were littler in the library window when it was a library. Um, with the, Tim made me a big map of the United States. It, we we'd just been on a trip around the United States, and. Uh, he numbered all the paintings and uh, made a little flag and put it down here to say where it was in the United States. And he did that with all the places that were interesting. Uh, and uh, that, was, that was great stuff to have in the library windows. Mm -hmm. How um, do you think it influenced your children to have mm -hmm. a mom artist? Artist um, mom, I should say. Well, they would they would buckle down and try to paint and uh, come come away with some really nice things. They did some very nice things, but usually they'd choose other ways of of, of painting because uh, they had their ideas of what they wanted to paint. <laughs> so, so they. I'm sure that some of those paintings were theirs. How did I work that? Uh, I probably just labeled the labels say, done by Tim Gott or Susie Gott. Um, 
And that, those were very, very acceptable uh, uh, in Marshall there when uh, school was in session, the grade schools mostly. They liked that kind of thing. Did Susie or Tim grow up to be a painter? Or do they're, they do they're, other? They're pretty good. Yeah. 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 And their kids are good. Come up with some really nice things. Uh, some, some of them are more my style than, than or, or a style that I like better than others. But um, they've, been, they've been carrying on. Uh, see, Tim? He's mostly now a builder. Mm -hmm. He's really good. He's very strong. Extremely strong. He's six foot. See, all his grand, all the grandsons are over six foot two. Oh wow! And, and Tim is six two, I think. Peter's a short one, but my brothers are are tall, and uh, his brother is quite short. So he builds and he can paint, but he's not really doing that. Is that what you're saying? Or he does sometimes? You know, Peter, if he wanted to be a painter, he probably could be very good. When he was in first grade, he won some big prize for a oh. car painting he made. And we still have it, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, he, he was just... He was just very good. He's good at just about anything he chooses to do. Like a dancer. Who, when we first got married, we were interested in international folk dancing. And um, we, we, uh, we met, actually, international folk dancing. And we did that every twice a week. Really good exercise, <laughs> doing all those funny things. Um, so we did we did a lot of that kind of thing. Like I like trying to put a, a dress on last night. <laughs> I I saw all these skirts that I had bought over the years, and dirndls. I had four dirndls they'd gotten in Austria. They're beautiful dresses. I those things I should give to a, a play house place where they give plays. Because they could use things up there. I haven't really danced much recently. Peter was always quite a show off, though. He, he, you know, some people can show off and it doesn't feel like a show off. And he was that way. I mean, he could do all these strange, fine, funny things and make people laugh instead of people saying, oh, he's a show off. <laughs> he, He's funny. That's funny. People, including yourself, really enjoy right. him, it sounds like. Yeah. And yeah. what about Susie now? What is her art? <laughs> She's a hell of a fiddler. Mm -hmm. um, she also is a pretty good drawer. She's come up with some really... She can do just about anything. She's a fabulous cook. 
Um, and now she's writing, she's written several books. Do you have one of her books? The cookbook? Yeah. I don't. I saw that she yeah. wrote a cookbook. There's some nice drawing, creative drawing, uh, writing in there. Nice. She's, she's a good writer. Uh, she's written many poems and many, many short stories. Um, she's usually just overbooked. Uh. Like, um, she has uh, all these engagements. In fact, she's got another book. The first book that she wrote called Child of the Woods is being printed now. Um, finally. <laughs> uh, should have been printed long ago, but... What kind of book is that? Is it it's, a, it's a true story she wrote many years ago on her upbringing. Oh, wow. On the story, some of the stories. Ooh, <laughs> scary. That I'd let, I'd let the kids go and play on this. Tim built a little cabin up above the house on the edge of a cliff. <laughs> and Tim, Peter was all for it, and Tim didn't want any help. Built that thing when he was 11 or something, 11 or 12. It's masterful. He has an upstairs sleeping loft and a little cook stove downstairs and uh, a good foundation. And it still stands. He built that when he was uh, very little. And uh, Peter said, you know, I don't think you need any help. <laughs> if he had a question, he would ask it, but he didn't usually. He takes after Peter in his smarts, which is nice. They're very good friends, and, and um, Tim is wonderful with with me and the children. Just for, for a guy, he's he's amazing. Yeah. Have you met Tim yet? Yeah. No. I yeah. Uh, he, he's so dear. Really, is very handsome and funny. And that he's a fabulous musician. Play anything on the banjo. There's bazooki, mandolin, guitar. It sounds like you have a lot of admiration for your family members. A lot. Yeah, of. they're they're pretty pretty smart cookies. Fortunately. It sounds like you have had a pretty rich life out here. Yeah, it can be a little bit monotonous at times, but you can't have everything all the time. <laughs> but it, it takes a pretty good amount of not giving up and stamina and all, just because you could you could do something easier. <laughs> but, you know, you, then living the way you do, is that mm -hmm. what you mean? Yeah, we yeah. could uh, just say, um, let's go to um, let's go to Florida. Let's go to Clearwater, Florida, and go swimming. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we lived there once during the war. My father was stationed in um, England, and our base was in Florida. So we got a case of that. We got a yeah dose of living in Florida, but I was just in first grade, 
but I remember it vividly. We went swimming every day and played with the porpoises and <laughs> played with the fiddler crabs and you know all those things you do when you live on the ocean. <laughs> Seems like a easier life than yeah. living up on this rugged mountain and cooking food for a bunch of people. And so. Maybe not for around. my mother because my dad was gone. But yeah, I have two a sister and two brothers, and uh, we were we were happy. So. What do you want from your art now, for your life? Well, it's just satisfying to, to get out there and be outdoors. And um, just enjoy looking and, and painting and being. Just being. <laughs> and sometimes you're uncomfortable, you're have to pee or, <laughs> or it's, um, you're hungry or it's getting late and cold. But, um, it, it's, it's, it's a little more than just sitting and enjoying the view. It, it, it just, there's just a little more to it than that. So taking advantage of, of your, um, free time. When you go outside to paint, are you usually painting alone? Is that how you do it? Yeah, unless you're with one of those groups that you're paying to go to. Mm -hmm. well, I just, I find it very interesting to sit, to sit with a painter that is as prolific as you and that has painted in obviously so many kinds of light and so many kinds of weather and knowing that you did all these outside and mm. often mostly by yourself out there and some really like I have no idea how you do <laughs> even like a full sheet a regular full sheet how you did that outside yeah well I, I feel now I just I just love this Tim built this cabin mm -hmm. and um, he built it to sell and he built it down there where his work where his flat place is and he was for sale he had it in sale and was advertised and people were coming to look at it and uh, then I got to thinking about it. Hmm. And I said, Frank, Tad, Tim, Frank is my brother. Tad is my other brother. <laughs> Tim, Tim, um, um, I like that cabin. How about, how about that we put that up on the mountain where they Cows sleep. <laughs> we knew this. This is as flat as a, this is the only piece of flat land anywhere mm -hmm. around up here, up at this level. And we are way high up here. Yeah, we're, we're, we're pretty pretty high up, and and uh, Tim, I think he'd almost promised it to somebody. 
But he said, oh, well, gosh, yeah, that would make a nice art studio, wouldn't it? And uh, then we got started thinking about it, and all of a sudden we had it all planned out, and he was going to put a bathroom on that side someday. And then this, he raised his window so he could put a sink under this side. Um, I can't even imagine how you got this up here. Uh, that was tricky. Uh, I I don't know how. Of course, nothing. The floor wasn't in. The windows and doors were not in. Um, they brought it up on the truck. Actually, they bring it all up. Well, not the front part. That that added later. Um, and of course, the roof wasn't wasn't built. But he had this up here in half a day. He got it, got it up here. And then, well, first we had to build the foundations. That that took, and then we had to f figure out water. Oh gosh, where we're going to get water? Where we're going to get that water? And we thought, you know, we have to carry it up, put it in big tanks, and because you need a lot of water for cement or cement work. And so one day. Peter said, I think I'll go looking for water. <laughs> and he started looking out here in the woods. And came back about 15 minutes later and said, I found water. <laughs> <laughs> and we brought up a whole bunch of piping and ran water right, right over here to where we needed it. And we still get that same water, this wonderful water. So pure and it just happened that uh, Peter was able to find water because it would have been tricky otherwise to live without it. You could live without it, but it makes life a whole lot easier to have water. Mm -hmm. We were spoiled. Especially when you're a watercolor artist. <laughs> Although I know this isn't really where you do most of your painting. So you, you're carrying your water when you go out there, or do you use natural water? Oh, yeah. yeah I have to you bring it. I have a couple of jars of water in my pack all mm -hmm. the time. Water. It's, you really appreciate water when you don't have it. And, oh, it's so sad. <laughs> Hearing about it on the radio, how how polluted it's getting for some people, for many people, um, and how vital it is for for survival. So uh, true. I don't know what's going to happen to these people that are dying of malnutrition and dying dying of the water being so affected. Is there anything that you wish that we could talk about about your art or your life up here in the mountains? Is, do you feel like we've given a complete picture? It's hard to know. Um, I'm sure a lot of it wasn't necessary to know. <laughs> um, see, wait, have you interviewed other painters? Mm-hmm. I have. And what kind of information do they give you? Other painters have talked about their inspirations, which you did, um, their, how they fit it all in, mm -hmm. their methods. Sometimes they talk about their methods. 
I'll have to make you some CDs of some of my other interviews. Do you have a CD player? Yes. Then you could listen uh, at home. Yeah. I'll have to do that. Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah. Well, I guess let's talk about how do people how did people find out about you as an artist in the first place, and how do people see your work? You've, you've mentioned a little bit about, but how did people find out you were doing this? Well, we have a lot of visitors. Mm-hmm. And um, then every spring I have a party here um, that I send out invitations to, which is hard to do because you don't want to not send an invitation, but you don't want to send one either to somebody you don't know very well because then you'd be sending a whole lot of invitations. Um, I don't think I sent any last year. Because I had told enough people about it. And then they'd written it down on their calendar. It really is fun because Muffy helps bake and I bake. And, and we have um, iced tea. Iced tea with um, lemon. And it's just so good. Bunch of that, and then of course wine. Susie takes care of the wine, mm-hmm. and they they hear about it mostly just word of mouth, or they've they've come year after year. We've had it for the last ten years, I think. In next month, when the um, trillium and the um, Purple one there. I have trouble remembering the name of that. Those two things are blooming everywhere up here. And when the cows lived here, when the cows lived here, of course, they stepped on everything, so there was no no wildflowers. So as soon as we got rid of them, um, then um, we had plenty and. They're just so beautiful. They're so incredibly beautiful. You're just one flower, and then there's all these, this whole field out here is in flowers. Um, and then we have music, which is a lot of fun. And oh, of course, selling paintings. I usually get one of the boys to take care of that. Mm-hmm. Or one of Susie's friends. And, um, that's always tricky because I really don't know how to price paintings. And sometimes I really underprice or maybe I overprice them. I don't rarely overprice anything. But then somebody has to do that. And then it's kind of a madhouse, to tell you the truth, if there are a lot of people here. <laughs> but the kids are willing to help, and Muffy's wonderful. And who is Muffy? You've mentioned Muffy. Tim's wife. Tim's wife, okay. They were married up here, as a matter of fact. Right right there where the front door is, is where the preacher stood. We sat on hay bales. So many good memories of oh, yeah. this place. Yeah, and I made the wedding cake, I remember. Well, I hope I'm not in New York when you have it. I hope I get to come. It sounds oh, really fun. Too. Yeah. Yeah. I'm being careful with this. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, well, I guess, I guess we can unclip. Okay. Let me just thank you so much for joining me today. It's been really wonderful to see your work and your, your life and hear about your lifestyle and your amazing family. And learn more about you and your art. But we eat while we're arting. <laughs> we eat while we're arting. And, and what, what we eat. And what we eat. Yeah. Yes. That was uh, a big it's, subject. <laughs> it takes a lot of time away from being a painter. Is raising food. And a lot of people don't have to do that, you know. Mm -hmm. You don't have to raise their food. Mm -hmm. But we've never... We have grocery bills, but nothing in the food line, really. Mostly in the... Uh, thing line. And mm -hmm. You need things. You've been very self-sufficient in right. the food department for a lot of this time, it sounds like. Right. It's been a lot of work, though. Yeah. You're never sick because you're healthy. Mm -hmm. That helps. <laughs> to be sick would be a unnecessary uh, problem haven't had much of. I can't think of any. Well, just accidents. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> a few of them. Yeah. Well, thank you again for joining me. Well, I thank appreciate you, it. And I hope it all works out. Thank you. If you go to localhearted.com, you will find examples of Polly's work and a link to her Facebook page. The best way to be informed about Polly's annual open house at her studio is to follow her Facebook page. And the best way to make sure you never miss an episode of the Local Hearted podcast is to sign up for the mailing list at localhearted.com. I want to thank Polly Gott for giving us a glimpse of a lifestyle most of us will never experience. And I want to thank you for listening to the show. And I want to let you know I am planning to take a hiatus from the show for the rest of the summer. I need some time to interview some more artists and I'm looking forward to being back in the fall. And a final thank you to singer-songwriter, performing artist Jamie Noder-Thomas for the podcast theme song, Learning to Fly. This time